Over the next few weeks, we're going to be exploring from the theme, A Savior is Born. In this series, the hope and the aim is, is that we individually and collectively would put Christ back in Christmas. So on next Sunday, I'll be preaching from the subject, How to Worship the Savior, taken from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Then on the third Sunday, I'll be preaching from the subject, Don't Miss Christmas, looking at several of the Bible characters who had Christmas right in front of them, but yet somehow they missed it. If it happened during the time that Christ was actually born, it could happen to us. I want to make sure that we don't fall into the pitfalls like they did and miss Christmas. Then on the fourth Sunday, which is Christmas Day, it's not often that we get to celebrate the birth of our Savior on the Lord's Day. We'll be preaching from the subject, the gift of Christmas. Our worship service will be taking place at 10 a.m., and we hope to have a joyous time in the Lord. I'm not sure if you ever thought about what life was like during the time of Jesus, but I am convinced that life back then is very similar to life today. People were doing their very best just to make it. According to Craig Bloomberg in his book, Jesus and the Gospels, the average family lived together in one room. This room was separated from and raised above the animal stalls. Imagine trying to sleep with the sounds and smells of cows rising from beneath you. The town, as a matter of fact, had its own unique smell. Since there was no wastewater system, each family took its sewage to the designated section in the middle of the street. Nothing fancy. People were just doing their best, just to make it. Two percent of the population controlled half of the wealth of the world. Seven percent of the population were considered rich. Fifteen percent were middle class, such as the priests and the Pharisees. Seventy percent were living at the poverty level. And six percent were destitute. People were doing their best just to make it. Taxes were extremely high. The average Jew had to pay 10% tax to the priest and the Levites, 10% to the temple, 3% for the poor, and the normal Roman tax of 28%. I don't know if you were counting, but that's 51%, more than half a person's income paid taxes. People were doing their best just to make it. Amidst this background, Galatians 4.4 reminds us that at the perfect time, God sent his son so that we could have our best life now. And the world was surprised by hope. My prayer for you today is that with all of what you're currently facing, all of the struggles that you encounter just to try to make it, 
that during this Christmas season and beginning today, you would be surprised by hope. And that's what I want to preach about today as we explore five truths about hope. The sight, the source, the serenity, the supply, and the sufficiency of our hope. If you didn't get all of that, don't worry about it. We'll unpack them one at a time and then have an opportunity to take notes. Let's consider then, first of all, the sight of our hope. Romans 15.12 reminds us in the latter part of that verse, in him, that being Jesus Christ, will the Gentiles hope. Uh, This hope is not an abstract wish or desire, but the word in Greek, elpizos, means that expectant hope. Uh, Hope that expectantly looks forward to the good and the benefit of what's coming. Humanity's biggest fear is death. And Jesus coming at the perfect time so that we could have our best life now came to take away our fears. We don't want to die. We don't prepare for death. Yet at the same time, we know that except the Lord spares his coming, we all will meet him in death. I suppose a better way of saying that is that we want to live forever. And I believe that the reason for that is because we were made in the image of a God who is eternal and he has put within us the desire for eternity. I know that because if we could control it, no one that we know or love would die. In putting our hope in him, our hope looks then to Jesus for perpetuity. The most familiar verse in scripture would be John 3.16. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him will not perish. Now I want you to watch this. Whoever believes in him will not perish. We escape the penalty and the punishment that comes with being separated from God, and we have eternal life. Well, that's good that he takes care of our life in perpetuity. Uh, But all of our hopes also point to Jesus for the present. It's in him, according to John 1, 4, that we have life and that life is the light of men. It's in him, according to John 15, 5, that we are fruitful. It's in him, according to 1 John 2, 10, that there is no cause for stumbling. And it's in him, according to 1 John 2, 28, that we have confidence. All of our sight points to Jesus. And if you want to have confident expectation for that which is good and beneficial, then you have to put your eye on Jesus. The second aspect of this hope is the source of our hope, the source of our hope. 
in Romans 15, 13, the Bible says, may the God of hope. Now, this is not a title like there would be the God of silver, the God of gold. This is the God of hope. No, this is the attribute of God, that God as part of God's nature is a God of hope. In Romans 8, chapter 20, it says, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. In other words, because of sin, our world has been subjected to a process of deterioration. We're proof of that because we're dying. God could have destroyed his entire creation and started over again, but he didn't. God chose instead to subject the world to futility in the confident expectation of his plan for salvation coming to fulfillment. When anybody else looking at the world would not see no other option but to destroy the world because of sin, God saw another way, and that another way was through Jesus Christ. Hope is who God is. Not only is it an attribute, it's also his activity. God is the supplier of hope. He wants us to have the same hope that he has for us, that confident expectation that his plan will come to fulfillment. Now, how does he do it? If you recall in Romans 15, 12, this is a quote from Isaiah in, a chapter, in chapter 11, around verse 10, where Isaiah says, from the root of Jesse. Now, I want you to watch this. Isaiah prophesied 740 years before Christ was born. God sent him on the scene to announce that Jesus, Messiah, is coming. Isaiah, in his prophecy, references the root of Jesse, not Jesse James, but Jesse, the father of David, uh, that family that lived 1,040 years before Jesus was born. All of what God says, Jesus is coming, and Jesus shows up on the scene, is proof that he is coming back again, because while walking the face of the earth, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you may be also. It's the source of our hope. Having that kind of hope gives us a sense of serenity. There's serenity of our hope. I want you to notice that the very next part of that verse says, fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Now we have eternal life, not something that's going to start in the future, but something that began the moment we appropriated Christ as our Savior. So we have eternal life as a present state of our condition, but we're not miserable while we're waiting because our hope 
is an absolute certainty. We have joy and peace now. Let me connect the dots. The site of our hope is in Jesus. The source of our hope is God. God, who is the supplier of our hope, fill you with all joy and peace. Galatians 5.22 says, the fruit of the Spirit, the very Spirit of God, is given birth and produces the joy and the peace inside those who put their trust in Jesus. Because our hope is an absolute certainty, joy and peace ought to characterize our life right now. It's because of that that we see that there's another aspect to this hope, and that is the supply of our hope. The verse says, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, that word power is dunamis, where we get our English word dynamite and dynamic from that dynamic enabling power of the Holy Spirit, the power that raised Christ from the dead enables us as believers to experience in this life the blessings of the life to come. The Holy Spirit is the divine partner given to us to help us to live our life victoriously. Therefore, Because we have the power of the Holy Spirit, because our sight is on Jesus, because the source of our hope is God himself, the serenity of our hope has us bursting forth with joy and peace. And then the sufficiency of our hope is that you may abound in all hope. This word abound in the Greek is to have in excess. In other sides, the God we serve is a supersized God. And he has put within us the ability to have hope overflowing, filling us up to overflowing so that it pours out of our lives to affect the lives of others. The hope that we have is a contagious hope that points those who see us, not based upon what we have, but based on who we have living in us, who provides and supplies us with this hope. My brothers and sisters, may God bless you and strengthen you as you put your sight on Jesus and celebrate the fact that a Savior is born.